Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey everyone, this is BT and welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the episode titled Be Relentless to Become Unstoppable. And the focus of this one is going to be on Tim Grover's book, Relentless, From Good to Great yes. to Unstoppable. Yes. So as we I'm were excited. as we yeah, as we were going into talking about this before we press record, we we're talking a little bit about this book. And I've had mixed feelings about this book when it first came out. Um, <laughs> they, I didn't, were, they were a little towards the not so mixed. It was oh, more like I don't like it. <laughs> it's true. It triggered me in so many ways. We can talk a little bit about that here shortly. But for this episode in particular that we're going inside, you did pull from Tim Grover's uh, 2014 book, Relentless. Yeah. And from the moment that book was released and you became aware of it, it became a part of your library and you've referenced it many, many book. times over. Yeah. So looking back at those first days when you started listening to it and knowing your propensity for diving in to the, to the material, uh, what was it that stood out to what Grover was writing in, the, in that book? Well, the part about it that was, I thought was, was so fantastic was that we really didn't have an inside look into Jordan's mindset. I mean, there's been talk for years, sure. you know, but nobody ever really went deep inside. And here's a guy who was part of his training team for a long time, had an inside into the way he thought. It's an inside of the way Tim thinks, Kobe, you know, so many, so many athletes that he worked with. That was the first intriguing thing to me because you're talking about athletes that are beyond exceptional, right? These are once-in-a-lifetime type athletes. Um, these are people who have go above and beyond the normal success that we would consider at the top sure. and start to break down how they're thinking. So that's, am I answering your question? Mm -hmm. that, that's what it totally. me. Like I was, yeah. I was like, ho, 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 like this is goldmine stuff because here's the other thing. The book's not all about positivity either. Right. right. So that was also very intriguing to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think the big thing about what it is that that stood out to me was the fact that he was dealing with relatively private people too. Like Michael very. Jordan, he really didn't let you get a glimpse behind the curtain and to see what was going no. on in his life. Kobe Bryant, no. the late Kobe Bryant, same way. Dwayne Wade, right. these weren't people that were, they were just going about their business. And for, for Grover to be writing this book and kind of sharing the insights around it, and it wasn't always rosy, it wasn't always right. pretty. Right. And I think that that was really intriguing to me as well. I mean, he trained and has trained and continues to train some of the greatest athletes in the world, yeah. uh, primarily basketball players at this time through his attack athletics company. But um, his work just transcends sports. And I think that's why we brought it. You brought it to this lesson is because it's about it. You can relate this to any facet right. of your life when it comes to having an elite mindset and anybody who wants to have a successful mind, they can get their desired results by listening to the words over and over again that Grover was saying. And I think that was pretty cool. So let's talk a little bit about that because we are primarily a business style podcast, a mindset based podcast. What are some of the parallels that you see between say an elite athlete, like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or a Dwayne Wade into say the entrepreneur who's listening to this podcast right now, because I feel like there are parallels. Well, I think that um, one of the main ideas 
is that these people that are the elite athletes, and if, of course, if you take that and you compare it to an elite entrepreneur, right? Not just any entrepreneur, but an elite entrepreneur. There is a very deep, uh, almost un, almost not understandable or incomprehensible incomprehensible desire for the outcome that they're looking for. You, those, I think that's one of the main parallels because what if and I've studied success in every place that it exists. And it's always the same story. First of all, there's this desire to be, do, or have something that is absolutely spectacular to the point of an obsession. It's not just like, hey, this would be great, or this would be cool, or let me try this. This is day and night, night and day, seven days a week, 365 days a year commitment to being excellent at basically one thing, right? And the, when, you, when you look at somebody who is a magnificent entrepreneur, you find that they have the same dedication, the same desire, the same relentless focus on what that outcome is that they want. And everything is about bettering your best. It's just getting better and better and better and better at what you do to be the best that there, that there ever was or, or ever will be type type of a mindset. I think on the, on the surface, when you first crack that egg, those are the two things that definitely come together there. Yeah. And I love that you, you use the word magnificent because in your teachings, you oftentimes refer to that as the magnificent obsession. Yeah. And it really has to become an obsession if you want to be elite. And I think that's what Grover encapsulates with these people that he speaks with. It's sort of like, in my opinion, a modern day Napoleon Hill talking to the greatest of the greatest and what ticks and how he got them. Because these are, these are amazing athletes and they could have done just fine, had a good career, but they wanted to be great. And when you go back and look at the careers that these guys had, they went to the next level through the help of Grover and his and his mindset. And he didn't buy into their bullshit because even the best of the best can very easily just slide back and sure. believe their own bullshit. Sure. And he didn't do that. And I think that's probably what triggered me so much is because he pushed these guys to be the excellent players that they were. They were already great, but he brought them to that unstoppable area, right. which I think is fascinating. Yeah. It's just so cool to see. Well, in the, the entire theme of this episode was you going over what Grover calls his relentless 13. And those are basically, he details the essential traits that are shared by the most intense competitors and achievers in sports and business and all walks of life. And what I find interesting that Grover did that I'd never seen before is he labels everything number one which I think is just amazing because he says that some on some level in our minds, we're going to associate that as being a numbered list we have to check off. They all carry equal amount of weight, top down, bottom up, start in the middle, wherever. They're all number one. Um, so putting yourself in Grover's shoes here, why is it so significant to understand that all these things he's talking about carry equal weight and not just a, a checklist that needs to be gone down? Well, it's you know it's interesting because... It's very much like when Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. It started off with initial set of principles, um, and then he turned it into Think and Grow Rich. And the principles that are in the book are all of equal weight, just like Tim's are in Relentless, because nothing – the, the whole idea of success or being the elite – does not work if you miss one of those principles. It's not that one is more important than the other. It's that they're all pieces of this outcome that a person's looking for. So if you want to be the best and you study all the greatest people in the world, which 
Napoleon Hill did back in the early 1900s right. when it was with entrepreneurs. He studied 500 of them over 20 years. You have Tim Grover who's doing it with basically elite basketball players, some baseball players and that, but, but the top of the top, you know, and it's like, what is the commonality that they think that they emotionally support and that they behave on every day in order to get those results? And if you miss one of those things, it doesn't work. You, you end up with Grover's principles. Yeah. Because if you take one out, the whole thing collapses. It becomes like a house of cards. Sure. It doesn't work. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I love that, you know, when you start thinking about these 13, that even skip, it's not, this is not a serialized book. You, you can pick up that book and just thumb to any chapter in you that can. book and you can read it from whatever direction you yes, want. You can. That's the beauty of the Relentless 13. And knowing that, you know, if one of those is left out, then the whole thing falls apart is very important. And I think as we go through these, because we're going to go into detail on these Relentless 13 once again, just um, remember that they all are equal equally important. I think that's, that's important yeah. to say. So, um, the first one on my list is you keep pushing yourself harder when everyone else has had enough. And he was really good at getting, you know, the, the guys to be puking in trash cans by the time their workout was done. They thought right. they were going for a little run on the basketball court. Little did they know they were going to be put through the rigors. And that reminds me, the parallel I drew from that was just being your word and always doing a little bit more. You've talked about, you know, go a little further each and every time, better your best. So when I heard that, I thought, it's it's just like being your word, the the great, you know, four agreements. If you do, if you, let's say you have anything, any one thing that you do that you're really good at, and every day you give it your best, your best, your best, your best, that's a great idea. But there's no growth in that. There's no growth until you go beyond your best. Right. The growth happens at one step beyond the best. You know, if you're doing curls with, you know, dumbbells, right, and you do 10 a day, 10 a day, 10 a day, the growth is on the 11th one. It's not yes. in the first 10, you know, so we have to go beyond what's comfortable in order for that growth to actually happen. And that's what he's pointing out there. You know, they're, they know this, they know that their next level goes beyond what's comfortable mentally, psychologically, physically, um, even emotionally. Yeah. I love that. It, it makes so much sense. And, you know, it's very easy to get into a pattern of repetition. I'm going to do 10 curls. I'm going to do right. 10 curls. And then it doesn't get hard anymore. But you said you were going to do 10, so you're going to do 10. Start doing 11, start doing 12, 15. And that's where the growth comes by continually pushing yourself to the right. limits. And the average person is thinking about stopping around eight. You know, they do 10 every day. But there's this weird thing that happens in your mind where it's like, okay, I'm at eight. I only need to do two more and I got this over with. These guys are not thinking that way. They're not thinking about where can I stop. They're thinking about where do I need to go to take myself to the next piece of expertise or um, uh, the next expansion in my talent, right? So it's not about where do they stop. Yeah, huge distinction. I love that mental thought about, you know, you know you're going to do 10, so you start thinking around 7 and 8 that you're going to stop. It's, it's so true. And in life, in business, in exercise, yeah. if, if I'm going for a six mile run, I don't start getting tired until mile five. If I go for a three mile run, I start getting tired at two. It's, yeah. it's, it's just so interesting that your mind runs the machine. So you got to be careful not to listen to it. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Cause if you, if you listen to the mind, it'll stop you and yeah. you won't get to where it is. It's a, it's really weird it is. that it works that way. But there's, you know, a lot of things, um, 
and I've taught entrepreneurs for a long time that most people are raised with the idea built into their life. When do I get to stop doing the thing that's uncomfortable from a baby? Right. Right. Here's what you have to do every day. When do I get to stop? You know, it starts in grade schools. When's recess? When do we get out? When there's spring break? When's summer vacation? You know, all, you know, how many, how many personal days do I get when Mm -hmm. I go to work for somebody else? How many sick days do I get? When, when is the week over? You know, so there's this whole cycle. I don't know where this comes from, like, but I think it's just the idea of people will be willing to do something uncomfortable for a certain period of time as long as they know when they get to quit. These people think differently. It's mm-hmm. also it's also one of the things you see the same kind of psychology with like Navy SEALs. Sure. You know, they are all about going longer, doing more than their mind thinks they can actually do so that they give themselves the experience of getting to that next level, you know, which yeah. allows their talent to expand. Well, and when the, and when the spotlight shines brightest on them, whether they're on a, a, a very covert operation in the Middle East or whether a guy's stepping on a basketball court, they've already put in the hard work. They've already done it. Right. They just need to go out there and, and play and, yeah. and play the game. So, yeah. yeah, that's great. All right, next one on his list is you get into the zone, you shut out everything else and control the uncontrollable. So I love the conversation about the zone. It's such a fascinating place to be, and very few people ever get there. Uh, what mindset does a person need to have to control the uncontrollable? I love how he puts that in there. You know, I think this is this is this this weird thing that the mind does. When you repeat something over and over and over and over again, where it's literally ingrained in your mind and your nervous system and it goes on autopilot, it can operate faster than your conscious thought can process. So when you see these people that are in the zone, they're literally working at a level that is not consciously processing as fast as they're able to do the things that they're actually doing. And, and musicians the same way, sure. right? They might they memorize the notes, the chords, the finger movements, you know, all the different things that they have to do. But once it's ingrained in them and they get into that flow, that's when the music happens. This is when the ball game comes. But now here's the other thing. They're also able to respond faster to what's happening on the court than a person who's actually thinking about it. And most of the players are sitting there thinking, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? And they're, they're, they see the patterns happening before they actually complete and they're able to respond ahead of time. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they talk about it in athletics where everything just slows down. Like yeah. everything just slows yeah. down. And yeah. you actually anticipate <laughs> your opponent's next move before the opponent knows he or she is right. going to make it. Which I think the zone is just fascinating. And I can't remember a time, I'm sure it... Everybody at some point in their life has probably in, has been in some sort of a zone, but these, you know, high athletes, high performing people in business seem to do it more frequently than all those around them. And it's just probably through repetition, repetition, and really focusing on what's going on around them. I experience that when I'm on stage live somewhere, yes. something switches in my mind and I'm in a completely different place than I am if I was just sitting here or even consciously teaching with you. I'm in a totally different, I'm in that zone, in that place. But that's also years of repetition doing the same kind of thing. So I get it. I mean, it's a very interesting thing. And the best way that I've ever been able to explain it to somebody is that your mind is processing faster than than your conscious awareness is allowing, even though 
you're adapting to it through your physical senses. You're at a completely different level. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. All right, the next one, you know exactly who you are. That's really short, really sweet, really simple. You've talked about this many times on the podcast, knowing exactly who you are, accepting the good, the bad, and the ugly side of yourself with no shame or guilt. Where do you see that entrepreneurs fail in understanding exactly who they are? Well, part of it is that they never get past the idea of what other people think of them. Um, It's a huge problem. If an entrepreneur... If a sports person, if anybody wants to really become great, they have to go past this idea of what other people think of them, and they have to accept all of themselves as who they are in the moment. And that doesn't mean that a person can't change something or work on something or whatever, but they're not ashamed, they're not suppressing that side of themselves. That allows them to show up fully in whatever they're doing, and it also it also allows them to attempt to do something that they may fall flat on their face with. You know, if you look at Jordan and how many shots he's missed, how many game-winning shots he missed, if he was not willing to look foolish in taking those shots, he would never have scored on the other side of it. He would never have the records that that he has. It's the same with any of them. If I'm I'm going to give it my very best, I have to be willing to fall flat on my face. And if I don't accept who I am, I'm not going to be willing to do that because I don't want to look like a fool. So I'll go into self-preservation versus complete expression and let's just take it to the wall. Yeah, it's amazing that, you know, vulnerability is such a superpower that very few people are willing to lead with. It I, is. M- myself included. It's 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 challenging. So you're all, and this is a, to me, it, you know, you know exactly who you are. I feel like this is also a moving target as well. Like, you know what you're capable of, but I also feel like, you, you're always learning who you are each step of the way. Would you agree with that? I or? do. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think so. I think that's that's kind of where I fell. But yeah, I think totally. You become more. You learn things about yourself that you didn't know. Um, when you're living out on that edge, you're always learning something different about yeah. yourself. Even if it's like, I really tried to do this and I wasn't capable, so I have to figure out a way to pivot in that area so I can still achieve the same result. Yeah, and allow yourself the room to grow within that because if you keep doing the same thing and you keep getting the same result, you you haven't learned anything. But you're willing to put yourself out there, you fall flat, but the next time around, get a little bit better so you don't fall as flat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, that leads into his next, you know, part of the Relentless 13. You have a dark side that refuses to be taught to be good. And I think this was probably a triggering piece for many people in who read the book or, or listened to it because we all believe we want to be this perfect person inside. And that's not the case for a lot of these people that he was working with. And you mentioned in the episode, you don't hear too many people talk about the dark side in the way that Grover positioned it. I know you do a lot with dark side work. Why do you think most of us shy away from something that's so important for us to understand this this dark side? It's shame. Shame. It's a hundred percent shame. You know, we're not born with shame and we're not born with guilt either, but it's taught to us at a very young age that we incorporate it into us. And we all have these less than flattering sides or less than socially acceptable sides of ourselves. And and with a lot of people, sometimes their desire to win is coming from a fuck you to somebody else in life, basically. Something like that. You know, like this teacher said that I couldn't be this or or my mother was this. Yeah. So like their whole drive in life is like, I'm going to show you whatever. Other times it's other things that get them into that 
get the, it takes him psychologically to a different place. He talks about sex. He talks about drugs. He talks about alcohol. It's different for all different kinds of people. Sometimes it's just obsession, whatever it might be. It could be, it could be practice. It could be a lot of different things. Um, but it's not what the norm usually accepts is to say, well, here's the healthy way or the way that you should do this. So it's shame. Shame is the biggest problem why people will not allowed, accept them, that side of themselves. And I've done a lot of work examining really great people to find out what that dark side is in them. And Grover is 100% right. They all have it. They all use it. They all, all of them know exactly what it is. They won't necessarily tell you about it or talk about it. But if you're watching very close, you can see it in most of those individuals. It comes out in some way, but it allows them to, to go beyond because what most people do is go, uh, I need to shut that side of myself down. And because they shut that side of themselves down, they never get to that experiential other level within themselves because they are suppressing part of what they're doing. Yeah, think about all the creative energy that is housed in the expression of these actions. And if you suppress those, the world isn't getting to see your gift. Yeah. Even though, you know, many people might be intimidated by it or they might see, oh, that doesn't look very good. That's not for me. It's not about you. It's about that person. And they need to express it. I think if we were more a fully expressed, you know, species, then we wouldn't have a lot of the BS that we deal with in today's day and age. Yeah, yeah you really, really start to see that um, when listening to Grover's book for sure. All right. The next one is you're not intimidated by pressure. You thrive on it. And this is really easy to look at in athletics. People like Jordan and Kobe, they wanted that ball in their hands at the end. It was an insatiable yep. need to take that last shot, but not just take it because anybody can take the last shot. It was hit that last shot. And like you said, Jordan didn't hit them all. Kobe didn't hit them all, but he hit more than he missed right. for sure. And I think they were at the best in those moments. And I know that when you're intimidated by pressure, Many people will run away from that, but if you dive headlong into it, good things will come out of it for sure. I think so. Yeah, think absolutely. So. The next one, when everyone is hitting the in case of emergency button, they're all looking at you. And I assume this has to do with leadership. I think yeah. that's what he's getting at there. It's leadership. It's a person that's not going to fold under pressure. It's a person that has the talent, the gift, and the history of being able to perform when the chips are when the chips are down or in that clutch moment, like he talks about. That's what that really is. Yeah, and you hope that you're that person in your business. You hope the person in the organization, and you know that there's somebody on your team that you can look to that's always steady. We'll figure this out. Yeah. Every solution, there's an elegant solution to every problem. We'll get through it. So definitely a, a strong case for leadership and looking at that person when things aren't going as they're supposed to be going because it's not a perfect world. No. Um, the next. Next one, you don't compete with anyone. You find your opponent's weakness and you attack. Now, you said there's no competition other than yourself, which is true. Uh, this one makes the most sense to me when I think about talking about people in business because you hear people get a little uh, ruffled when, well, there's not enough for me. This person's doing this. They start comparing themselves to others. They're not doing what that person's doing. They're not getting the clients. They're jealous. They're envy. They're frustrated, whatever it might be you're not competing with anyone other than yourself. If you can master yourself, then the sales will come. Right. I think that's kind of what he's getting at. Well, there. And I looked at it. Yes and no. It really depends on, it really depends on the game or the business that you're in. If you're entering something that has a natural com uh, competition in it, sports is based on sure, competition. Sure. It's part of the rule. Some business is based on a lot of business actually is based on competition. With sports, it is about crushing the other side, preventing them 
from from getting a win and you getting the win, the win. right? So it, it 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 is participatory in the fact that you do have to stop them yeah, yeah, from yeah. scoring, right? Um, in business, the stopping them from scoring is to get them to buy from you, right? So if I get them to buy, if I, if you have the same product as me and I get them to buy from me, I stop them from buying from you. Yeah, so I stop them from scoring with you, and that's what he's talking about. Got it. There. That makes sense. All right. Uh, next up, you make decisions, not suggestions. You know the answer while everyone else is still asking questions. Another leadership quality necessary here to grow your business. You said in the episode that it doesn't mean your answer is always right. You just pick, pick the option you believe in and you run with it. And you also said that leaders make decisions quickly. Why is that so important when you are running a business? Because you don't, if you screw around and don't make decisions, your competition number one will surpass you because they're making decisions, right? Everybody else that's out there that's in your field of whatever you do, they're looking at the feedback. They're looking at where the market's going. They're looking at product development. They're looking at the marketing, the advertising. What is the natural way that the world is shifting in one way or another? And how does it actually affect what they're doing? If a person gets into the paralysis of analyzing things and they can't get themselves out of that paralysis, they get run right over. You have to make a decision and you have to look at, did I get the result that I want from this decision or not? It's like when he takes the shot, I have to make the shot. I have to make the shot. Did you make the shot or not? If you didn't make the shot, you practice the shot till you get better at that specific scenario. In business, it's the same thing. Did I, did I score in what I'm doing? If not, figure out why, make another decision and do it again. The result determines the next thought and decision process. Sure, yeah, and I, I feel like if you're making decisions based on something you did yesterday, you're about six to nine months behind where you should <laughs> yeah. be making decisions yeah. too. And yeah. we saw this with when we went into <laughs> lockdown really early on in 2020. I mean, people didn't know what to do. The market shifted. Right. There was pivots that needed to be done, and you were already thinking months and months and months ahead of time. The decisions you make today, you won't see the benefits of those most likely for months down the road, especially right. in business, but it's important to make those decisions quickly and really work towards finding the answers. Oh, to so those. many people yeah. it, over the last year have lost businesses, um, really gotten crushed because they did not know how to make a decision to adapt to the problems that we were experiencing. Yeah. And really, it's a skill set. I mean, you have to learn it. Yeah, and it wasn't the first time you'd gone through something like that, so you were very <clears> well <throat> equipped for what it career. was going to be, right? Uh, next up, uh, you don't have to love the work, but you're addicted to the results. So this is a this is a good addiction. Why is that addiction so important in your opinion? Because most people, even if you love what you do, you'll have days where you don't, right? You'll have days that you're tired, days that you don't sure. feel well, days where you're sore, days where something goes wrong, days where you have a personal problem, Life happens to every person and life will come in and will ruffle your day yeah. and change how you feel about it. So the result has to be more important than how I feel about what I'm doing every Absolutely. day. Because that's where the consistency shows up. For sure. And that's what you're shooting for is that yeah. consistency. Uh, this next one, I need you to talk a little bit more about this one because I don't know how it necessarily relates to business or running an organization. I do see how it can help on the field of play. You'd rather be feared than liked. Yeah. So... When when you have instilled fear into your competition, they can't think. You it, throw them it, off. You throw them off. They're more concerned about whatever you're going to do than trying something that might get them ahead. So you have them, you have them on the back foot, 
really, right? They're always trying to catch up. They're always trying to outthink what you're doing instead of realizing the real gift is in just being as great as they could possibly be, like you said a few minutes ago. But when you're feared, people don't do that. They're too consumed by what you're doing to actually think for themselves. Yeah, and you can see how that's screwed. Yeah, you can see how that would totally work on the field of play, how it get inside somebody else's head by their actions and you're constantly reacting instead of proactively yeah. moving yourself yeah. forward. Yeah, and if you take if you look at people like Jordan and Kobe and Dwayne, like those people were masters yes. at getting inside the opponent's head totally. and psychologically crushing them around the basketball court even more than they did from a skill set perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, the next one is you trust very few people and those you trust better never let you down. And this immediately made me think of those great Chicago Bulls teams and a major part of their success. Yes, it was Jordan, but Jordan had role players that were around him. Yeah. And I'm not going to call Scottie Pippen a role player. He's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But Jordan didn't win without Pippen there. Right. So he was an important part. And Jordan, and Jordan himself depend- said that. Yes, and he could depend on Scottie Pippen to be there. But he also depended on people like Steve Kerr, Ron Harper, John Paxson. Yeah. The list goes on. I can only assume that trusting others requires an intense trust in yourself first. It's an elite team. And an elite team that he was able to pull. He, he, could, he could draw three people to him, pass it off, and somebody's going to hit that big shot. And they did it over and over and over again. Right. So you trust very few people, but those you do trust, you never are let down by them. That's I right. thought that was genius. Yeah. Um, two more to go, almost there. You don't recognize failure. You know there's more than one way to get what you want. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. And then the last of the Relentless 13, you don't celebrate your achievements because you always want more. And I believe you said this is not necessarily one you fully agree with. Can you talk a little bit about, about celebrating those achievements yeah, when they come I think, up? Yeah, I think that um, here's, this is, this is it's not about getting that one achievement because as soon as it's done, that's over. The excitement for those people is up to the achievement. That's where they're most alive. That's where they're having the most fun. That's where they're doing what they want. Once they reach it, it's like, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to sit and wallow and, you know, maybe for a couple minutes or whatever, but it's on to the next one because that's where they're living. It's in the process. They love the process more than they love the end result. So, it's while I think that that we do need to celebrate achievements, um, and I think we also especially need to do that with kids to get that into their head. It is not, you know, the, the thing is, is that everybody achieves something every day to to some extent. It's about what are you going to do tomorrow. Right. That's that's the way life is. What are yeah. you going to do tomorrow? Great. You were you were great there. What are you going to do tomorrow? Yeah, and I love, you know, going back and through and, you know, watching like The Last Dance, the the Jordan long, you know, long-term oh, documentary. Yeah. There was, and, and Grover actually mentions it in his book, where Jordan would always hold up one more finger than yeah. the championships yeah. he had. Yeah. But he was sitting there with, you know, drenched in champagne. He's got a big old stogie hanging out of his mouth. And he just won his third championship, but he's holding up the four. Right. Because he, would, he had already, he's, he's relishing it. He's enjoying it. But he's already moving on to what he's going to do to come back and kick everybody else's ass yep. again next year. Yep. I just love and that that's visual. instilling fear in everybody else. Yes. Like, this guy's never going to stop. <laughs> that's right. We're never going to get rid of him. I'm sure people were so happy when he retired. And then he came back, and he didn't win championships when he came, well, the, after baseball he did, but yeah. when he went to the Washington Wizards, he came back, but he just was he was just right. dropping dimes on. He was scoring left and right. He was still being that guy, and it scared people to death. They were like, and don't awaken the sleeping giant. You hear so many stories about Jordan's having an off night. This guy, this young kid starts chirping in his ear. Jordan goes off for 30 in the fourth quarter. You know, right. those types yeah. of moments. Yeah. I love it. But holding up 
one more classic Jordan, classic elite. Yeah. Well, as we speak, Tim Grover's new book, uh, which is titled Winning, The Unforgiving Race to Greatness, was just released today as this drops. And I know my copy's at home waiting for me, and I know for your sure. audio version is sitting on your phone right here. I'm sure you'll be diving into your latest work, and maybe we could revisit that once it's it's all in there. Absolutely. But for those who have yet to maybe read Relentless, why should they stop and do that right now in, in order to help them move forward? Because it's one of the greatest, most succinct, no bullshit, no frill, no fluff books on success that's ever been written, period, hands down. It's yeah. one, it's, it's, uh, I don't know that it will be, but it should be a classic like Think and Grow Rich because it is like Tim stripped away all the BS and he gave you exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's not always easy to hear, but that's the kind of it's tough love that he to that he's he's made people even more elite than they were, yeah. and that's something you should listen you to. Well, this has been great. I always love talking. Jordan, yeah. Bulls, Grover, even though he triggered the shit out of me at the beginning, I love it. I'm going to get this new book, dive into it, and I can't wait to do this again. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming inside. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.